I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Today we got Big Pooh in the co-host chair, and in the guest spot we welcome Troy Halliburton from the Washington City Paper. What's up, fellas? What's going on? Hey, how you doing today, guys? Pooh, always glad to have you back. And Troy, this is your first time on the show, so welcome. Yeah, I appreciate that, Big Doug. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man, it's basketball time. So <laughs> let's get right into it. I'm curious, fellas, early thoughts on John Wall trade early in the season you go ahead Troy I know you got thoughts I got some thoughts well my biggest thing is the fact that I think that the Wizards didn't really have forward thinking when thinking about the John Wall trade so you know yes John Wall has missed the last two seasons because of um, an Achilles tear and he had bone spurs in his knee and heel that he had surgery for before that but they should have been clearly looking forward for the future. And as a, as the team that's been following him with all of his progress along, they should have known that he was going to come back looking healthy as he has for this season. And conversely, with Russell Westbrook, a guy who, you know, he has been durable over the last, uh, you know, uh, few, few seasons, but you can see signs of him breaking down starting uh, last year. So if you had to project what these two players' future outcomes would be, I think that they made a a, a very poor decision on, on, on assuming that Westbrook would be more durable than Wall. Do you think it was more a decision based upon, instead of health, it was more based upon uh, just needing to change something because obviously the Wall and Brad tandem hadn't worked up until that point? Yeah, I think that because the wall and Brad's tandem hadn't worked and because of some other things that, uh, that that might have led to John Wall's departure, I think that like Ted Leonsis, I think this was a Ted Leonsis as the owner call, not a Tommy Shepard as the GM or even, uh, you know, Brad as a, a fellow co-star. I believe that Ted Leonsis just didn't really see the uh, investment in John Wall with that, you know, um, $130 million that he still owe over the next three years. So I honestly think that he decided that, you know, it wasn't a, as much of a basketball decision as was a, a business decision for Ted Leonsis. Troy, people don't want to like to hear about it, but I continue to believe that last gang sign photo was was the straw. I mean, they, they had told him about that before. Now, whether you think that's a big deal or not, that's not really what I'm curious about. But I do think that that is one of the big reasons why he got shipped out of town. Is that fair or unfair? It's, it's 100% fair. Um, like I said, I think that this was a Ted Leonsis call. And so that uh, video that came out, I think that very much rubbed Ted Leonsis the wrong way. And you can even see, um, you know, with some of the, the, the subliminal messaging that he had with some of his his tweets after Walt uh, was gone, you know, that he's, you know, bringing in Russell Westbrook. He, he noted how he was of high character and, and very durable, a proven winner. So, you know, this is, that's my Ted Leonsis speak, but I definitely think that, you know, that video was the catalyst that uh, helped to uh, move John Wall out of DC. Troy, do you, do you see the Wizards honestly entertaining, you know, we're we going to get into the meat now. Do you, do you <laughs> see them honestly entertaining trading Brad, if not by the trade deadline, which I doubt, but 
at the at the end of the season once because I I have no doubt that Scott Brooks will not be back. But do you see them entertaining for the first time trading Brad? No, I don't. I don't. Honestly, I think that the way that the Wizards uh, have treated Brad, I think that they're willing to go down with the ship here. Um, and I definitely, if they're going to trade Brad, it won't be until next 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 season. Like, I don't think that they're entertaining at all heading into um, this uh, trade deadline. It's because they've already put all their chips in the middle on building around Brad. So they went out and got Russell Westbrook to line him up next to Bradley Bill, knowing, assuming that they were going to be able to make a playoff push for this season. And so, you know, I think that what they're looking at right now with this hiatus is that they're looking at, you know, they're not going down in the standings. So they still think that they have a shot with them only being a couple games out of the playoff standings and with uh, with 10 teams making it in the Eastern Conference with the, with the play-in tournament style. So I think that they definitely believe that they have a shot. Is it wild to you, like it is to me, that Tommy Shepard told incoming center free agents that Thomas Bryant would be the starter, be getting most of the minutes, uh, so plan on being a backup when you got here. Now, in fairness to Thomas Bryant, he was playing well. That seems like an awful big promise to be making. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an awful big promise. I think that, uh, you know, with Thomas Bryant's injury, that definitely hurt them more than anything with their shots, with their percentage chances of making the playoffs. But at the end of the day, they still have Bradley Bill, who's averaging, you know, 34 points a game. He's leading the NBA in scoring. Um, you know, if, if Russell Westbrook, if he can come back and, like, look like any sort of semblance of the of the old player that he once was, which he hasn't so far, but I'm not going to sit up here and say that he has no chance whatsoever of coming back and looking like that guy. Um, if he can come back and just, you know, but I think the thing that he has to realize is that less is more. Like, he doesn't have to come out here and do the OKC Russ and try to score triple doubles and, and you know, do all of these things. He can, uh, you know, do less, try to get Brad involved, try to get these other Wizards players involved. And I think that that will make a world of a difference as far as their chances of making the playoffs. For anybody does that doesn't follow you on Twitter, can you give your assessment of Scott Brooks as a head coach? Well, my, my, so my assessment in, in, in one quick sentence, Scott Brooks is a great guy. He's a leader of men, doesn't know anything about making basketball adjustments. That's the, that's the Scott Brooks assessment. He's a great guy. Like, and that's, but with no question, he's beloved throughout the organization. He's beloved around the NBA. You can, whenever uh, opposing coaches and opposing players, and they come into uh, Capital One Arena, they always speak very glowingly of Scott Brooks as a person. But his biggest fault as a basketball coach is his inability to make adjustments in a timely fashion. And so this has been going back to, you know, his first year in D.C. and, and you know, the 2016-2017 season. You know, when, when you're looking at a loaded Washington Wizards team uh, with, you know, Otto Porter and Bojan Bogdanovic and Kelly Oubre and John Wall and Gortat and all these guys, Death Row D.C., they had a, you know, they had a whole movement behind them. And he didn't know how to pull the triggers with the lineups and 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 putting the team in the best possible position to win. I mean, and that didn't just start with Scott Brooks and in, uh, in his tenure in Washington. This goes back to you know him starting Kendrick Perkins all those games in OKC. Like he's just he's just a, a player's coach in the, in the sense that 
He's just loyal to a fault to uh, certain lineups, and he just refuses to make adjustments. And I think that, you know, that will be the tale of his career uh, once his tenure in D.C. is over. Who's supposed to be coaching them up on defense? Uh, well, they have a guy named Mike Lungabardi, who was the defensive coordinator for the Cavaliers during their 2016 championship run. Um, I, I, I don't know what, how, how uh, prominent he is within running their defensive schemes. I do know that um, with the, what, what the Wizards, they could have as good a scheme as they want. But their players aren't, uh, you know, they aren't really buying in and playing. They're not, they're not playing any defensive scheme. It doesn't matter what, like, type of system he's running. They're, not, they're just out there freestyling, in a sense. And it, it really caused it, – it, you, you watch Wizards games, and they have more defensive breakdowns than, in, like, than most college teams and any other professional team in the league. They aren't following any scheme whatsoever. What do you think about the development of – uh, some of the young guys, a Troy Brown Jr., a, a Denny so far, a Rui. Um, like, I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on, on, on their development so far. Okay, so, all right, the first name you named, Troy Brown Jr., whew, this is tough because now I tweeted something out a couple of weeks ago that I think it, it's very strange when you have the front office and the coaching staff not really on the same page because – the front office just gave Troy Brown his, uh, you know, his rookie extension. Well, not his rookie extension, but they gave him his, his player option for his fourth year as a, as a rookie contract. So they picked up his option, which is like $5 million for next season. But he's not even playing in the rotation at all right now. And I honestly have to say that I can't be mad at Scott Brooks because Troy has kind of squandered every opportunity that the team has given him to come out here and show that he deserves to be in the rotation. Now, as far as um, the two uh, last first-round picks they've had, and now these, uh, mind you, these are uh, Tommy Shepard's only draft picks as uh, as the GM of the team. So, uh, Denny uh, Advia, I think, is a very good player who, uh, you know, ha has shown his ability to um, to pass and create for others. Um, he's not really that great of a score at this point, but he's so young. And the thing that I've been most impressed by with him is his defensive awareness. So I, I would honestly say that of the Wizards players, he's probably the player who's on the court in the right position more times than not out of any other Wizards player. And that says a lot for a guy who's only played 10 games. Uh, the last young player I want to talk about is Rui Hashimura. Well, I think he's a very uh, polarizing player uh, amongst Wizards Twitter, just because I think that a lot of people, you know, look at his style of play and he shoots mid-range jumpers and he's not really a prolific three-point shooter. And they think that, you know, that, that, that he's not, uh, that he doesn't project out to be a good player. But I honestly believe that the team has gotten, or the fans have gotten caught up in what he cannot do and are not focusing on the things that he can do. And the things that Rui can do, he's a he's a he's a fantastic mid-range scorer. He actually has a very adept uh, a low post game, and he actually uh, has played uh, fairly well on the defensive end. Like the, the Wizards don't have one of the worst defenses in the league because of Rui Hashimura. It's odd to me. Troy Brown looked great in Vegas, and I really thought this was going to be the moment for him. And it just hadn't come together for him this year like I expected it would have. Yeah, I think, I mean, he he has, he has shown flashes. 
And I think that that is the problem with with Troy Brown, and the thing that's so frustrating with people who like uh, support him is the fact that that he has shown the flashes of a guy who can come out here and compete, who can uh, you know ha- has a competent skill set. But the thing is, he makes so many like just mental mistakes just mental lapses and when he gets into the game and for a old school coach like Scott Brooks, I mean, that's just unacceptable. And, and honestly, um, he hasn't shot the ball uh, particularly well. And when you look at the Wizards rotation, um, you know, they're, they're trying to, as a team that's trying to make the playoffs, uh, how Neto should be in front of him in the rotation. Like that's, that's not even a, a debate at this point. Neto has performed at a level that he has proven that he is a better basketball player for the Wizards and their chances of making the playoffs than Troy Brown is. Will the Wizards regret when Garrison Matthews saunter his way into a deal with another team next offseason? Uh, they will highly regret that. I think that that's been one of the uh, mistakes that Tommy has made as general manager. A guy like Garrison Matthews, they should have been trying to lock him up on a, on a four-year deal, uh, you know, highly lowly escalating above the league minimum, something like what uh, what, what OKC did and uh, with, with, with Lou Dort last year. When you get a guy and you find a diamond in a rough player, if you're the owner, if you're the, if you're the, if you're the team, you got to try to lock this guy in for as long as possible or as cheap as possible. But now that they have allowed Garrison Matthews to come out here and he's going to be in the rotation going forward. And he's going to, he's going to command a, a salary that, you know, he, he's not going to make a, a ton of money, but they would have rather signed him for, you know, 1.6 million than to have to sign him for, for 3.5 or 5 million, which they probably will have to do uh, heading into this all season because he's going to command an offer sheet from a team. Troy, explain to the people uh, that may not know what the two-way deals are that you see so much now. Yeah, so basically the two-way deals, I think this is the third year that they've had the two-way deals. And this goes along with the NBA with their uh, with their plan to like uh, bolster the, uh, the G League. And so what they did was they allowed for uh, teams to sign two contracts to, uh, to players who will play both with the G League affiliate and with the uh, with, with, with the team affiliate. So, for example, for the Washington Wizards, they have uh, the the Capital City GoGo is their G League affiliate, and they play uh, over in Southeast DC. But if you sign a two way deal with the Wizards, that means that you are eligible to play with the Washington Wizards and with the Capital City GoGo. And so, if if the Wizards if they have a, a need for players, they can always bring up those players. But if they, you know, for for a guy like Garrison Matthews in his first year. You know, he spent a lot of time playing with the Capital City Go-Go because they wanted to be able to further develop, uh, you know, his skill set. The biggest difference between the two-way contracts and regular NBA contracts is uh, obviously in salary, whereas the two-way contracts, they are only paid uh, up to, I believe, $200,000 per season, whereas the minimum contract in the NBA is $1.1 million. With the Wizards? Sorry, sorry, let me just real quick. Is it like uh, in football where you're only allowed to go be called up, but so many times in a season, or that's not how that works? No, that you can. You actually, well, it's uh, they have a limit on the amount of games that you can play. It's, it, I believe, it's fifty. Um, so you can play fifty games. Um, if if you're a two way contract player, you can play fifty games with the with your team affiliate. And at that point, the team either has to uh, convert your deal to a regular NBA contract. 
or they have to release you. There's that once you exceed that li limit of fifty, you can't. They, they can't just keep you know having you move back and forth. You either gotta become an NBA player or they have to uh, release you. So in in a lot in the line with that, they uh they just released Ansis Pass the Sneaks uh <laughs> to create that extra extra spot on the roster. Do you think that was in anticipation for Garrison realizing that he's going to have to play more games than they possibly thought, or is that going to be for another big man down the line? Well, I think that this was a business move. I think that I think that no matter what, Anzis Pestinus was going to be getting released around this time anyway because he had a partial guarantee in his contract. And so I believe that that guarantee date was coming up uh, in February. So no matter what, he was getting released anyway. Like, so I don't think that, that just because they released him means that they're necessarily looking at another move. Um, I, I do believe that Tommy Shepard is going to try to work to sign Garrison Matthews. Now, whether that is, you know, this week or, you know, whether that's at game 49 of that 50 game mark, I believe that he's going to attempt to, to, to try to re-sign Matthews. Um, and, and as for right now, you know, the, the Wizards, they need bodies. They don't even, I mean, they have six players who are in the, uh, the, 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 they have nine players who are in the uh, COVID protocol, six who have actually tested positive for COVID. And so I believe what, the, what we will see is that when they come out of this uh, period, that they will, they will sign another big man in order to, you know, bolster their roster because, you know, right now they only have two centers available uh, and that's um, Mo Wagner and Robin Lopez. I think I saw today, maybe it was Quentin Mayo put out the uh, the touches list. Jochitz leads the league at, like, I think 107 touches. Bradley Beal is somewhere down at, like, 78, 76 touches and leads the league in scoring. Is it possible that he's underrated still? I think that Brad has proven over the course of his career, he got drafted in 2012, he's improved every single season. So I think that when we, we haven't seen the best of Bradley Bill yet. So I, I think that he is very much underrated when you talk about a guy who, when, when, when the people who are rating, the, the, the uh, you know, the pro basketball writers who did not vote him in as an all NBA player last season, the, the fans and uh, other uh, coaches who did not vote him in as an NBA all-star last season are not rating Bradley Bill uh, as highly as he should be rated as one of the best scorers in the entire association. Troy, let's talk about what fans of off-season basketball really want to know is Masai Yajiri coming to DC <laughs> this off-season. Oh man, I keep dropping those breadcrumbs on Twitter, and you know what? I say this: nothing in life is guaranteed. I I'd, I'd, I'd bet on it though, because just because Teleonsis had made it very clear that he was interested in bringing in Masai two years ago after the Raptors first won their, uh, their, their title. And Masai Ujiri, I think, through back channels, has let it be known that he's also interested in coming to D.C. And, you know, uh, the Toronto Raptors and, and uh, Masai Ujiri never worked out a contract extension for him. So he will be a free agent um, this offseason. And I think that um, the only thing that's stopping him from coming is the whatever the offer that Ted makes him. If Ted doesn't make him the offer that he wants, then he won't come. If Ted gives him what he wants, then he will be in D.C. next year. 
Um, you know, I think that right now the things that you're hearing about is, you know, giving him, you know, a, a deal, eight years, probably $80 million, something like that. Uh, ownership stake within Monumental Sports. Um, you know, they, I mean, they, he could really sweeten his package up for, for Masai Ujiri. And it, and it would make it a decision that, I mean, nobody will refuse. <laughs> so I think that there's a very, if, if Ted Leonsis is willing to put together that package, to, to, to send over to Messiah, I think that there's a very high chance that we will see him uh, running the Rizzo's organization next year. And that doesn't mean that Tommy Shepard is going to be gone because right now he's the general manager of the team. And with with the, with the way that uh, Teleons has set up uh, monumental basketball, you know, there's a – he Masai Ujiri could slide right in to be the president of basketball operations and still have a general manager underneath of him. So, th- you know, this isn't like a – you know, he's going to come in and get rid of everybody. Like, I think that this will be a, a, a marriage that is kind of, it's, it's building on all sides and, and it's looking highly likely that this is a possibility. Troy, why have the Wizards found it so hard to find a big three for Beal and whoever it was, Wall originally and now Westbrook? Well, I think that uh, they very much overestimated their, uh, their ability to develop talent in-house and so once they gave Otto Porter that uh, max contract, that I mean, that pretty much ruined any chance they had of, of going out and building a legitimate big three. Um, if they would have never given Otto Porter that contract and signed uh, Jan Mahimi in that same summer, uh, they, they would have had money to go out and, and money and assets possibly to go out and trade for Paul George when he was unhappy or, you know, trade for other, uh, you know, superstars who have been disgruntled over the last two or three seasons. But since they, they since they had that money committed to Otto Porter, they had to they had to you know spend assets just trying to dump his money, you know, because they gave Yami Mahimi their money. They never they were never able to dump. We I threw him into a thousand trades on the trade machine, and, they, and it never worked. But <laughs> but you know what? I think that you know once that they were able to uh, get that money off, but then they they now they compounded their next set of problems by taking John Wall and flipping and turning a first round uh, pick and turning that into Russell Westbrook, who is now probably untradeable. <laughs> Very untradeable. Um, I've always said that uh, the summer of 2016 sent the Wizards into their recent uh, tumble to the bottom of the league uh, with the KD to DC thing. Uh, and then the subsequent spending the 120 mil on Otto and Bohemi and Nicholson and uh, uh, Jason Smith. Um, what do you think is going to take for the Wizards to actually, with their cap situation, get out of the bottom of the Eastern Conference? Well, they're gonna have to wait this one out, man, because it's it's no it's no way that they're gonna be able to trade uh, Russell Westbrook at this point. Um, and even if they were to trade Westbrook, they're not getting back equal value, and they're probably not even getting back you know fifty cents on a dollar. You know, they're gonna get back expiring contracts. You know, you know, guys that they, they they're gonna get back you know dead money. You know, if they wanted to uh, move Westbrook at this point. Um, yeah, I think I mean it's a real tough position for the Wizards. I mean, honestly. The best thing for the Wizards to do if they want to get into a full rebuild, if they want to open up their books, would be to trade Brad. And I know a lot of Wizards fans don't want to hear that, but I mean, if if, if there was a way out, uh, I, I believe that trading Brad is the only way out. Uh, that or uh, Rui and Denny have to be the 
the top 10 picks that you hope they were. And particularly with Avdia, you're hoping that he actually was the fourth round pick slash steal that they think they got, right? Because they, they thought they were going to have to trade up with Chicago to actually get Avdia, right? Yeah, they thought they were going to have to trade up with Chicago. And, uh, you know, l- l- luckily Chicago ended up taking Patrick Williams and everybody else, um, you know, with between five and nine ended up taking other guys and between five and eight took other guys. And, and, and he, Denny just kind of fell to them. But I think that this that we have to look at, uh, you know, the way that the NBA works with the agents. I think that this was planned all along because there have been a lot of reports with, uh, you know, Denny Abidjan's agent that, that, you know, he didn't want to go work out for certain teams. And, you know, when you're limiting, you're going to go uh, work out for teams or when you're limiting, sending them medical information, you know, these other teams, Cleveland and uh, uh, the Knicks and other these other teams, they like they didn't want to deal with this. I think that it was a concerted effort on both sides to get Denny to D.C. But, and, and actually, it's a good fit that makes sense for him as an international prospect being in an international city such as Washington, D.C. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves because, you know, right now the Wizards are, even though they're a couple games out of the play-in, they're still near the bottom of the Eastern Conference. But uh, have you done any looking around or research or anything on upcoming draft picks, seeing as today the Wizards would definitely be back in the lottery? Yeah, well, look, hey, I have definitely started pivoting some of my research game to uh, to, to, to the draft uh, for, the, for 2021 so far. And I'd say that there are two prospects, I think, out there right now that are that could be franchise players. And that is uh, Kay Cunningham from Oklahoma State and Jalen Suggs from uh, Gonzaga. They're both big combo guards. Uh, Jalen Suggs is probably like 6'5". Kay Cunningham is like 6'8". I mean, when I they they got it all. They got. I mean, when, they, when you look at the, both of their their skill sets, what they have in the tool bag for nineteen year old prospects. I mean, th- these guys are real deal players. And, and and if anything, like like you say, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But if the Wizards were to be this, were to be so lucky as to add a K Cunningham or Jalen Suggs next year, that could be that 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 could be something for sure. Troy, we talked a couple of days ago, and I know you were telling me that you have an article coming out in the paper soon about what it is that it will take to make it through this season. Now, I have suggested a couple of times they might need to do lots of little bubbles. You scoffed at me when I said that (laughs) in complete disgust. So. Please tell us how we'll make it through this season. Well, the only way, I, Doug, and the thing is, I'm not scoffing at you. I'm scoffing at the idea. And that's because that's really based on, I mean, it's inside baseball. It's based on personal information from having talked to players, not just players for the Wizards, but with other organizations. There's there's a 0% chance that, that any of these players are going back to a bubble situation. It's not happening. Like the, the players, like they honestly felt like when they were down there in Orlando, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to use this term lightly. They felt like it was like a form of prison, and like, and 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 that's just wild in general. That you know, to even compare the, these guys going out and playing, making millions of dollars to prison. But I mean, they couldn't. They they they're they they're they're in their rooms. They can't go out at all. If they if they cross the line, they, they get suspended for a certain amount of games. They, I mean, their mental health aspect of them being in that bubble, I think that, you know, years from now, they might, you know, they might write books and have, you know, different, you know, whole full-length podcast series talking about, you know, what it meant for them to go down there and the mental toll that it took on all of these players. 
but just hearing so much about what was going on down there in the bubble, I, I, there's a 0% chance that that happens. It's like they're not going back. They would rather shut the season down and not play at all, not get any paychecks than to go back to any bubble situation. So I, I think that, you know, like I said, it wasn't scoffing at you. It's just it's just knowing that the players and having talked to so many people, like, like it, it, it was, it was a, it was a tumultuous time for them down there. And I think that we you know when, what, what was it that the, after Jacob Blake was uh, shot and killed by the police and the Milwaukee Bucks came out and they said that they were not paying any more games when they had that very uh, tumultuous meeting amongst all the players and all the player leaders, Everybody wanted to leave, and they had just as much to do with them not wanting to be in the bubble as it did with them wanting to stand up for, you know, civil rights and police brutality. Like, the people were just tired. And I and just knowing that and knowing how much that meant to them, how much, how much it, it took a toll on them, I just know that there's no way that they're ever going to go back to a situation like that. What are your, um, what are your predictions for if, if the season does make it to the end? Your predictions where the Wizards land? Whew, that's tough. I think um, I think they could sneak into that play-in. <laughs> There's a ten seed. <laughs> I, I I just I just it's it's tough because you know I don't think people really understand how difficult it is to start how bad they are have started. And to turn it around and just like it, it just doesn't like we have so much statistical databases of you know teams starting two and eight we got like 50 years of data teams don't start two and eight and turn it around and make the playoffs like like and especially in a shortened season too so it matches it's only a 72 game season so normally a two and eight start would be you've only played you know uh uh what with 10 of 82 games now you've played 10 of 72 games so the percentage of chances of you even turning it around from that point is it's very difficult. But I do think that you know that the, the Wizards, because I think that they kind of got um, lucky in a sense that because the COVID hit them so hard that they had to postpone all of these games because they very well could have been in a position like you see some of these teams where they say, "No, oh, they only got eight guys available tonight," or they only got nine guys available to play tonight. You know that's putting you in a position where you it's tough to win any games like that. But because the Wizards have, uh, you know, been able to miss these last six games, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna be able to come back when they're almost at full strength and, and, and be able to, to, to have some say. I do believe, though, that their limit is that play-in tournament. I think this break was great for uh, Russell Westbrook's health. I, I, we spoke about it on Twitter. I, I, I always believed that Quad wasn't fully healthy. Um, well, I'll from, say that there was that right quad in the in the bubble. They say he hurt the left quad. So I don't know what. Look, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing. So look, I don't know what's going on with Russell Westbrook and his legs. I do know that they're not telling that, that there's more to what's going on than what they're telling us because you know it's just little subtle things. Like I thought it was weird when Scott Brooks said that Russell Westbrook couldn't dunk in practice. Now it's just like, is he saving him from himself or can Westbrook not dunk anymore? Because I haven't seen him dunk the basketball in a long time. So I just, it's a lot of stuff going on with, you know, the Wizards reporting of his injury. And when the injury happened, they said that he injured himself in preseason, but then he got hit when, was, when the season started. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot going on. He hasn't played in back-to-backs anyway throughout the course of the season. So 
You know, I, I do think that this rest, the person who has helped the most is definitely Russell Westbrook because number one, he already had COVID this summer. So I would assume that he's not one of the nine players who's in the protocol right now. And, you know, he's getting an extra week or two to rest where he doesn't have to miss any games. So if, if he can come back and, and get somewhat healthy, I think that gives them a, a, a higher chance of making the playoffs. But I, I mean, that's, I, I wouldn't put them anywhere above that play-in tournament. It's hard to tell without stands in, or fan, stand, fans in the stands, but did you could you feel the difference when Westbrook got here? Did he bring a little more juice than we're used to having with the franchise? No, for sure, for sure. I think that um, he brought a little bit of juice not only with, uh, with the fan base. So I, I was mentioning to somebody the other day, when Westbrook came here, he has more social media followers than all four of the Washington professional sports teams combined. Like Russell Westbrook in himself is an entity, is a, is a marketing entity. And so he brought something that, you know, I don't think that anybody in DC sports has brought, you know, in a wild time. I mean, that's like high, big, you know, A-list name recognition as a, as, a, as a superstar. And so I think that's a big deal for DC sports in general, just beyond just the Wizards. And then for the Wizards, as far as what Russell, Russell Westbrook brought is a uh, energy and a, a drive and focus that is undeniable. So when you have one of the criticisms of John Wall, uh, you know, over this last Wizards era, it was that he was kind of, you know, nonchalant as far as his leadership uh, skills. But Westbrook is not anything but that. Westbrook, you know, he shows up two hours early for workouts. You know, he 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 demands uh, nothing but excellence and the the hardest output of effort that he can get from himself and his teammates. So I think that he definitely brought something from that aspect to this Wizards team. That's what I was going to touch on. Um, I, I know he isn't the same player on the court, but I always said if if the Wizards were to go into a full rebuild, they would be better off with a Russell Westbrook as opposed to a John Wall because of his, you know, the way he plays, the effort he gives, and his leadership. Do, do mm -hmm. you agree? I, I agree. No, I mean, because he don't take he don't take any stuff from anybody. So. You know, he. I don't think that you know you you can you you can be Russell Westbrook and, and he leads by example. Um, he puts forth the the maximum effort at all times when he's on the court, at all times when he's at practice, and he demands that from his teammates. So I think that when you're talking about rebuilding and when you're talking about one of the biggest things that we've talked about within the Wizards organization over the last couple of years is is changing the culture. And so I believe that uh, Russell Westbrook definitely comes in and 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 brings in a a winning attitude. If it's not winning basketball, he's at least got a winning attitude. Fellas, <laughs> before we wrap the show up today, I thought maybe it'd be important on MLK Day to just give some credit to the NBA. And really, this year more than any other, I really feel like that league took it upon themselves as players to do something that I really feel like sports leagues have, have tried to stay away from. And I really think they deserve a whole lot of credit for that. Yeah. I, I believe that the, uh, the NBA uh, is definitely uh, in the forefront and leading the way as far as professional sports leagues. Uh, oh, actually, no shout out to the WNBA because they, they're doing it bigger than anybody. So I got to get a ladies their credit. 
But the NBA, they following right behind them when it comes to uh, uh, talking it like how they walking it and talking it the same way. You know, they 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 practice what they preach. They've come out and you know they they've not only uh, you know gotten their owners to to, to put their checkbooks uh, where their mouths are, but the players were on the front lines of you know leading some of these uh, some of these protests this summer. The players are uh, on the front lines of you know uh, helping to to not only. Uh, um, lead the protest, but helping to, to pay for uh, employees for for the arenas when the arena workers were not working and, and they weren't uh, being able to to uh, to you know feed their families. Like the, the 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 NBA players, not the billionaire owners, were stepping up and helping to raise money for these people so that they can uh, just survive out here. And so I think that the NBA has done an excellent job of you know just just representing something and the the, the league behind Adam Silver has given the players these their voices and these platforms to, to, to speak out on issues that they believe in. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but yeah, I had a shout out to the lady, the WNBA. No they, they, they out here switching whole elections. So look, they got to get all, oh, the, yeah. all the flowers. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that one, ain't no doubt. Troy Halliburton covers the team for the Washington City paper. Troy, tell the folks where they can find you and what you got coming up. All right, the, the folks can they can find me over on Twitter at, at Troy Halliburton. That's H A L I B U R. Uh, I have an article that's coming out uh, in the Washington City paper tomorrow. Um, it will be about the teams. Uh, it'll be just an outline overview of the teams' uh, COVID scare and what they will do uh, moving forward. So be be on the lookout for that. I, I talked to uh, General Manager Tommy Shepard, uh, Doctor Medina from uh, the, the head of the medical staff over with the Washington Wizards. So it, it'll give you a, it'll be a peek behind the curtain for the fans to see what exactly is going on with this basketball team right now. You can also catch Troy on Clubhouse after Wizards losses. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on Clubhouse after Wizards losses, talking big cash trash, right? <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell Russell Westbrook I'm there, though. <laughs> Fellas, this was great. We'll uh, catch you next time. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Big Pooh, man. You guys hold it down. Thank you. You too.